What exactly are the qualifications for Nira Tandon to run the world's largest economy's budget and be instrumental in setting regulatory policy? I'm not saying she's an idiot. I mean, she's a smart woman. I don't agree with her. I think she's vile. I know she's threatened people on social media, but she's not an idiot. But mostly the Center for American Progress writes reports, white papers that are sanitized by Wall Street and their donors from Wall Street and foreign governments. So why exactly was Neera Tandon placed at OMB as a director? And you really, once you really get into it, you realize either Joe Biden and his team were simply not thinking at all when they did this, or this was an intentional move to basically give a middle finger to one Bernie Sanders. So I'm going to read to you my piece that I wrote and, and uh, published earlier. By the way, you can uh, share the tweet so we can get this around social media a little bit more. Headline. What were they thinking? Neera Tandon and Bernie Sanders inevitable collision course. A lot of the discussion around the Center for American Progress CEO Neera Tandon's appointment to run the Office of Management and Budget has revolved around her years of menacing Twitter activity, for which she's feverishly already deleting over a thousand tweets. Daily Beast broke that she's already deleted over a thousand tweets. Uh, her role as Hillary Clinton's top political loyal soldier, if you recall, WikiLeaks uh, showed that that's how she described herself as Hillary, Hillary's loyal soldier and her history of championing cuts to entitlement programs, the virtues of for-profit health care and hoarding money from Wall Street and dubious foreign governments via cap. But there's been very little discussion about how Tandon, if confirmed as director of Office of Management and Budget, will effectively serve when one of the top functions of the OMB director is working with the House Ways and Means Committee and the Senate Budget Committee. The Senate budget, budget Committee, of which will have Bernie Sanders either as the chairman or the ranking member, depending on the results of the Georgia Senate runoff elections. Meaning, if Democrats retake the House, Bernie will be the chairman of the Budget Committee. If they don't retake the House, Bernie is the ranking member. Quote, what were they thinking? A progressive insider with ties to Bernie Sanders told Status Quo. How did they possibly pick somebody whose main interface in the Senate would be Bernie Sanders, who's done all she can to ruin Bernie Sanders politically? And before I go on, I just want to kind of give you a behind the scenes. You know, listen, in journalism these days, it's very tough to get people on the record for a whole host of reasons. You as the reader slash viewer have to decide whether you trust me or you trust other journalists when reading anonymous sources to know there's a reason that they're keeping them anonymous and that these sources are not, you know, janitors. They're people who actually are close to the subject of the story and, you know, know what they're talking about. The New York Times, Washington Post, most of their journalism is anonymous sources. Doesn't always mean it's not true, uh, but you take everything with a grain of salt. It's based on whether you trust the outlet. But I will tell you, for this story that I did, which I worked on all day yesterday, it was particularly hard and harder than most stories I've reported to get anyone to go on the record. As soon as you text somebody, as soon as you get on the phone with sources and you mention Neera Tandon, it's like they get indigestion because not many progressives, most progressives have either been 
harassed by her and her Twitter troll army over the years, have been directly threatened by her. I'm not talking about violence, but, you know, just political threats. Um, so most people, and I quote, one person said, I just can't deal with the agita. I can't deal with the agita of Nira and her army. Another person told me, I, I just, I don't have it in me to go to battle with Nira Tandon. Been there, done that. So I just want you to know there's a particular reason. I mean, we got one person on the record, but there's several anonymous sources because people, I, I wouldn't say necessarily are afraid of her, but people are just like, you know, I just can't deal with this. Uh, it's, it's the holidays. There's a pandemic. I don't want the drama uh, of going on the record against Nira Tandon. So just wanted to give you that as a caveat. What were they thinking? A progressive insider with ties to Sanders told status coup. How did they possibly pick somebody whose main interface in the Senate would be Bernie Sanders, who's done all she can to ruin Bernie politically? And what that means when he's saying their main interface is I'd say 75 percent, 80 percent of the job of the OMB director is working with Congress. You're working with the Ways and Means Committee in the House, which is chaired by Richard Neal, who is like near Tandon, never knew a donor and special interest and Wall Street banker he didn't love. But in the Senate, your main connection, your main working relationship is with the Senate Budget Committee chair, who happens to be Bernie Sanders. So either Joe Biden and his team didn't know that, which I find hard to believe, or they did know that, and that's why they put her there as a giant FU to Bernie Sanders. I go on. For progressives inside and outside of Washington, D.C., Tandon's animosity towards Bernie Sanders has bordered on obsessive hatred over the last five years, targeting Sanders, his supporters, and progressive journalists, including me, during his two presidential campaigns and political revolution. From Red Scare attacks suggesting Sanders with Vladimir Putin's preference over Hillary in 2016, to Center for American Progress's editorial arm, Think Progress, pushing the narrative that Sanders was a faux populist and hypocrite once he became a millionaire due to his book sales, to Tandon spearheading the political hit squad against Sanders following his accepting an endorsement from Joe Rogan, which, by the way, Joe Biden tried to get on Joe Rogan's show as well, to playing a critical role at framing Sanders' political movement as racist and sexist, Tandon was a one-woman social media super PAC against Sanders from 2015 through the end of the 2020 primary. And this is key. I spoke with a former uh, high-level official from the Center for American Progress, not a low-level person, this was a high-level person, uh, who requested anonymity to avoid Tandon's wrath. He put it more bluntly, telling us, in 2015-2016, Center for American Progress was a wholly owned subsidiary of the Hillary Clinton campaign. The staffer added that the think tank under Neera Tandon operated as an unofficial policy and messaging shop for the Clinton campaign. Uh, a former high-level official for Bernie Sanders' 2020 campaign, who requested an anonymity in order to speak freely, reacted to Tandon's appointment at OMB and potentially working relationship with Sanders in the Senate with outrage. Quote, this would be the last person. This person went out of her way. This wasn't just policy disagreements to attack Sanders. This is an intentional slight by President-elect Biden, not just on Senator Sanders, but the entire progressive movement. 
David Sirota, former speechwriter and advisor for Sanders' 2020 campaign, agreed that Tandon's appointment as OMB director was an intentional move by Biden to antagonize Sanders, tweeting that Tandon's looming collision course with Sanders was no coincidence. And I put his tweet where David wrote, it's not a coincidence that they're putting Nira, the single biggest, most aggressive Bernie critic in the United States of America, well, other than Lloyd Blankfein, uh, specifically at OMB, while Sanders is a Senate Budget Committee ranking chair. Matt Taibbi also opined that Tandon's appointment was an intentional snub towards Sanders, calling it a creative fuck you. Excuse me, swear jar. Leave your super chats demonetized. But another source who's had dealings with Sanders for years told Status Quo that Tandon's appointment was less of an in-your-face middle finger to Bernie and more a representation of the out-of-touch nature of the corporate Democratic machine. Quote, they were oblivious to it, that Tandon would be working closely with Sanders, the source said. It's insane. Like, are they even looking at what the job is? They don't do executive action at OMB. It just amazes me of all the jobs they could have given her. Did anyone even consider what that relationship would be like with Sanders? On Tandon, Larry Cohen, board chairman of the Sanders-aligned Our Revolution, told Status Quo, I think the broader question is, what is the economic strategy, or is there one, for the incoming government? Adding that Biden and, if confirmed, Tandon need a strategy that emphasizes higher-paying jobs, renewable energy, and spending money at volumes domestically like we've been showering the Pentagon with for, quote, military adventurism. Quote, she's a loyalist. That's her qualification. A progressive activist who, like many, has had tense encounters with Tandons over the year, told Status Quo. The source who asked to remain anonymous to avoid further agita related to Tandon, agita was my word, added that in their dealings with her, Tandon never offered any creative ideas related to policy or budgeting. Uh, this source has had dealings with Tandon on joint projects. Quote, since when was the Office of Management and Budget a brain trust? The source continued, dismissing the department's role in passing and executing neoliberal policies of the last three decades. It's just functionaries. The former staffer that worked for Tandon at Center for American Progress told me, this is the Democratic Party swamp in action. The former staffer at Tandon's cap told me, adding that nothing in Tandon's background would qualify her to understand budgets aside from being a generic policy person, which is a dime a dozen in Washington. Quote, she's built a very powerful empire there that is really a patronage machine for the professional Democratic establishment, the former cap staffer said. She's built a constituency within the beltway among the paid professional left. It's no surprise they're circling the wagons. If Tandon, as OMB chairman, and Bernie, as either the chairman or ranking member of the Senate Budget Committee, are ultimately destined to clash, it remains to be seen whether Sanders will play ball and not challenge her confirmation. Sanders' silence thus far may, res may represent an overly optimistic, what many progressives would say naive, hope that Biden will heed his public campaign to be appointed labor secretary. Thus far, the president-elect has provided no tangible signals that he'll grant Sanders a White House parking pass, much less name him labor secretary. But days after the Tandon announcement, there's been no public response from Sanders, leaving progressives and perhaps more importantly, Biden waiting to see if and when will Bernie Sanders get mad as hell and not take it anymore. To me, the key, th the key, key aspects here is not 
so much about Nira Tandon. I mean, I don't think I need to explain to you why, A, she's not the right choice, really, for any position in an administration. But even more so, she's not qualified for it. And even more so, this is a middle finger uh, to progressives. But to me, it's less about Nira Tandon and more about what can you expect from Joe Biden? Because the pick of Nira Tandon, again, I don't, I'm not naive. I don't think you should be either. I don't think they, I, I, I actually disagree with one of the sources who said they just weren't thinking. They, of course, they were thinking and they intentionally put her there. They could have put her as a, as a member of the National Council on Economics, just a member. They could have put her as a senior advisor. They could have put her working with Kamala Harris. They could have put her in a variety of different roles that do, does not interact or have anything to do with Bernie Sanders. They put her at OMB when, as the former staffer who worked at the Center for American Progress told me, uh, as others have told me, Neera Tandon has zero experience on budget on budgeting. Kind of a key detail, right? If you're going to run the Office of Management and Budget. To me, this is really striking because I said during the primary and I said during the general, Joe Biden, ultimately, I mean, look at the guy. Do you really think Joe Biden's going to be the one making all the decisions? He has uh, a army of Clintonites, of Obamaites, of basically corporate Democrat neoliberal hacks around him that if Biden needs a nap, which frankly, I think he's shown he does uh, often, uh, they are going to be Kamala Harris and his top advisors and chief of staff Ron Klain and secretary of state Tony Blinken. They are going to be the ones calling the shots. Well, let me rephrase. The United Corporations of America, i.e. the donors, are going to be calling the shots and Biden's circle will be carrying out their wishes. With that said, the fact that Biden, whether through sheer ignorance of the fact that Neera Tandon would be working with Bernie Sanders directly, meaning the pipeline for OMB, you're going through the chairman or the ranking member of OMB in the Senate, uh, excuse me, of the Budget Finance Committee in the Senate, or they, they know they knew it and did it intentionally, basically as a, ha-ha, we conned you, Bernie. We got you to go all out to get Biden elected, and now we're going to drop you off on the side of the road during a freaking hurricane. That's what it seems like to me. And at some point, listen, I've been critical of Bernie. I've also been critical uh, of my friend Jimmy. I, I told him in my interview with him recently, I don't think Bernie's a coward. I think that's strong. But at a certain point, you got to say, as a progressive, Bernie Sanders is still a massive major player in the progressive movement. I respect everything he's done uh, to create this new generation of progressives. I don't think you have an AOC. I don't think you have a Rashida Tlaib, an Ilhan Omar, a Cori Bush, Jamal Bowman, and all the other uh, success stories without Bernie basically, you know, bringing back to life uh, po possible possibilities and bringing in millions of new people into the progressive movement. He deserves a lot of credit, even though uh, people might have criticisms of him uh, as a candidate and things he should have done or shouldn't have done. But at a certain point, when is Bernie Sanders going to speak up here? I mean, when is Bernie Sanders going to speak up? I mean, 
Joe Biden is really choosing a Hall of Fame of Wall Street slime. He's picking a Hall of Fame of lobbyists or consultants, which, by the way, in D.C., lobbyists and consultants, same exact thing. There's, there's no difference between lobbyists and consultants. Uh, when is he going to speak up? That you're picking Neera Tandon, who, if you're talking about budgeting, is a fierce opponent of universal health care, really came on at the last minute for the fight for 15, has never strongly been for that, uh, never knew a free trade deal she didn't like, including NAFTA, TPP, uh, as Tulsi Gabbard. Tulsi Gabbard, you know, I got my issues with her, but as far, she's the only progressive in Congress that has come out. She tweeted this, Neera Tandon thinks the way to reduce, to reduce our deficit is to steal oil from countries like Libya to pay us back for bombing them, toppling their government, and turning them into a failed state. Joe Biden, is this really the person you want in charge of managing our budget? And she put uh, a screenshot of the email that WikiLeaks released a couple years ago where she's telling Fez Shakir, we have a deficit, they have oil, let's get the oil, which is basically a low-key version of Donald Trump's open, open uh, endorsement of going into Iraq, Afghanistan, and anywhere, really, and stealing their oil. This was just behind closed doors via email that Neera Tanton was saying, let's do the same thing. So, you know, not that Bernie Sanders watches status quo, but if you do, Bernie, I've been waiting for an interview for five years. But at a certain point, you got to say, Bernie Sanders still carries a, a major voice Um what are we just going to roll over here? I mean, Trump's gone. If the narrative was be quiet, don't say anything. We got to get Trump out. Hold your fire. All right. Well, Trump is out. All the lawsuits have been dismissed. Uh, Pennsylvania's state Supreme Court just tossed out uh, another one of Trump's nonsense things. Wisconsin has tossed out Trump's lawsuit. Georgia has tossed out the lawsuits. Georgia recounted twice now, uh, including a hand count. Biden still won. So, Trump, other than the theatrics, uh, other than, you know, Roger Stone just said, oh, sources on the street tell me that North Korea, North Korea brought secret ballots to shore uh, that tipped the election. Uh, You you know, it's comical. It's kind of entertaining. I do get a little kick out of Roger Stone sometimes. But there's nothing holding Bernie back now unless, frankly, Bernie, are you that naive? You think you're going to be appointed labor secretary? Do you think you're going to be appointed labor secretary? And that is why you're staying quiet right now? Not just about Neera Tandon, the deputy treasury secretary. All right, he's black. Wonderful. That's all they, that's all they seem to say. He's black or she's Indian American or, or, you know, the communications team is all women. Wonderful. So we could have Indian Americans, black, black men, all women, f*** us. Instead of all white men f***ing us, we can have a diversity of faces, genders, and sexual orientations f***ing us and continuing to steal our money, which has been going on in this country for the last 40 years. So I would like to hear Bernie speak up. I think at this point, Bernie kept saying, get rid of Trump, and then we fight Biden on day one. Well, it's more than day one, okay? Biden was declared the winner a while ago. He, his pick for uh, Secretary of State is highly questionable. 
was uh, created a def- uh, basically a consulting firm that greased the wheels of private defense contractors and hooked them up with the government and now is the secretary of state. Then you have um, Michelle Flournay, who is the top uh, rumored pick for defense secretary. She has never known a war she didn't love. She pushed uh, Obama to get involved with Syria and Libya. She was for the Iraq war. She is not for leaving Afghanistan. Then this deputy treasury pick, happens to be a black man, was basically Obama's top official trying to push the TPP through. I mean, speak up. Bernie, we need you. I know you're tired. I know you're 79 years old. I know you've ran, uh, basically been running a campaign for four years. I get it. But the progressive movement still needs your voice. And frankly, I mean, at a certain point, Bernie, you know, if the shoe fits, you're naive. And by the way, one thing I do agree with Jimmy on, I agree with Jimmy on a lot of things. And I also agree with what he's calling for now for the Progressive Caucus, AOC, Rashida Tlaib, Ilhan Omar, Pramila Jayapal, Ro Khanna, um, Corey Bush, Jamal Bowman, whoever I'm forgetting. Hold your vote for Speaker Pelosi. Tell Speaker Pelosi the Democrats, we will not vote for you as Speaker. And you, the House... Pelosi only has a slim majority. I think it's about 13 seats now because Democrats lost seats in the House. We will not vote for you unless we get a floor vote on Medicare for all. Now, devil's advocate, you might say, Jordan, who gives a damn about a floor vote? It's not going to pass. Well, what is the great saying? You know, the journey of a thousand miles starts with the first step. We got to get people on the record in the congressional record on on what their vote was. Are they on the right side of history or on the wrong side of history? So far, corporate Democrats have escaped ever having to get on the record against Medicare for all. Let's get them on the record. I don't know, folks. Do you think it might be, you know, a significant thing when the former president of the United States, who has denied ever visiting Jeffrey Epstein's island, do you think it might be a significant thing that one of Bill Clinton's top aides of all time, one of the people that was closest ever to Bill Clinton, just for the first time, went on the record saying Bill Clinton did visit Jeffrey Epstein's island, that Caribbean island where we know horrible, horrible things occurred, uh, where underage girls were trafficked in to give him massages, where there are allegations of rape uh, at this Caribbean island where Ghislaine Maxwell, who's currently alive, uh, also uh, was complicit in a lot of Epstein's activities. Uh, to date, we've had Virginia uh, Guffrey, Virginia uh, Goofrey Roberts, I believe is the name. She, who was one of Epstein's victims, has said she saw Bill Clinton on the island with Jeffrey Epstein. You also have uh, a maintenance worker there who uh, I actually watched the uh, Netflix Uh, series on Jeffrey Epstein. He said, yeah, I was doing my work one day and I saw I couldn't 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 mistake him. It was President Clinton sitting on uh, Epstein's house on the balcony uh, on the porch, excuse me, with Epstein. Now, in a story that I think is pretty much a bombshell, uh, Doug Band, who was basically Bill Clinton's closest aide, he was a counselor to Bill Clinton, 
Um, Doug Ban has come on the record saying Bill Clinton did visit Jeffrey Epstein's island, which Bill Clinton has feverishly denied. This is from uh, Vanity Fair. It's actually, I didn't read the whole piece yet, but let me read you the, the part uh, in regards to Epstein. By the fall of 2011, the rivalry had turned into a war of attrition. Band, Doug Band, looked for an advantage anywhere he could find one. The Clintons' ties to Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell provided one. Band told me, the author of this piece, he had been trying to push Epstein out of Clinton's orbit ever since their much-discussed 2002 trip to Africa uh, aboard Epstein's private 727, dubbed the Lolita Express. Band recalled that Epstein had made a bunch of ridiculous claims on the trip, like boasting that he invented the derivatives market. Band said he had, Band said he had no idea about ex- Epstein's sex crimes back then, but got enough bad vibes that he advised Clinton to end the relationship. But Clinton continued to socialize with Epstein and take his money. In 2006, Epstein donated $25,000 to the Clinton Foundation. Clinton made more than two dozen trips on Epstein's jet around this time, Epstein's flight log show. In Jan- Here's the key part. In January 2003, according to Band, Clinton visited Epstein's private Caribbean island, Little St. James. Band said it was one of the few trips that he declined to go on in his time with Clinton. A Clinton spokesperson said the president had never been to the island and provided detailed travel log entries of the period in question that did not contain a visit. To be clear, you know, Doug Band, who is Bill Clinton. Well, first, before I get to this, I actually want to play a clip from uh, Rising this morning because um, Sagar had Ryan Grimm on, who's reported on Doug Pan. Doug Band. I want to play that clip because it will show you uh, that this is a very significant thing, specifically that it's Doug Band who's the one on the record basically saying Bill Clinton is lying. And Ryan, because you've covered uh, Band and many others for, for such a long time, can you outline what it means for him to be saying something like this, somebody who's so close to Bill Clinton? I mean, so he, he's kind of on the outs with the Clinton world at, at this point. But you couldn't get a source uh, closer to Bill Clinton uh, than than Doug Band uh, from you know roughly the end of his presidency until you know so, uh, you know till the, about the middle of the the last decade. You know, if if you were a reporter who who wanted to get to Clinton, if you were a donor, if you were anybody who was trying to get to Clinton, you had you had to go through through Band uh, for more than for more than a decade. You know, he traveled with Clinton. You know, more than. You know, on average, it seems like about 250 days a year. Right. Uh, Clinton very famously did not uh, travel, you know, did not use email and, and didn't travel with the cell phone. So he was with Band all the time. And Band was there for his uh, for his phone calls and Band was there with him on the road. Band, Band was with him, you know, when, when Epstein and uh, Clinton went went on a tour of Africa together on, on what's what, you know, what's known as the the Lolita Express. There's there's no disputing the fact that that trip took place, nor is there disputing the fact that Band took place. I mean, that Band was on it. Band says he thought uh, Epstein was a, a crank and a creep. Right. And and one of the few trips he didn't go on uh, with Clinton, according to Band, was was this one to to Epstein's island for the for the reasons that that he laid out. It is the guy who's saying that this 
uh, trip happened, and it's and it's on the record. Uh, and Virginia Gouffray is saying that it happened, and and you have the maintenance person at the island saying that they they saw him there. On the other side, you have Clinton denying it. You have um, Ghislaine Maxwell, uh, who knew Clinton very well, saying that Virginia's making this up. Uh, you know that you you have a he said she said, but you but you but to have banned as an on the record source on this is is hard to get uh, uh, you know better than that. So. You know, let, let's put out all the caveats that, you know, this doesn't mean Bill Clinton is guilty of doing something illegal or immoral. You know, got to be a journalist first. So there's no evidence that Bill Clinton um, trafficked any girls or had any intimate exchanges with any girls. But with that said, I mean, this is somebody who perjured himself as president, not the most trustworthy person shall we say why would the maintenance worker be lying there's nothing in it for the maintenance worker on the island to lie if you look into virginia guffrey um and her history everything she has said has checked out about jeffrey epstein and then you look at doug band who as ryan grimm was just reporting doug band was basically bill clinton's if you want to go italian like consigliere Consigliere. I mean, Doug Band was basically, you couldn't, you want to get to Bill Clinton? You got to go through Doug Band. They traveled together. Um, he, he was his body man, so to speak. You don't get a closer source on the record. Now, you know, who knows? They, they had a falling out, whatever. But, I mean, I don't, I don't know what would be an incentive for Doug Band to lie about this. So you got three people that don't really have an incentive to lie about Bill Clinton being on that island. Jeffrey Epstein is dead. So you have to start thinking, number one, why would Bill Clinton lie about being on that island? Maybe he expected because you have a, he has a very pliant and, and com- compliant corporate media that's never going to go after him for it. I mean, I think it's disgusting, frankly. This story has been out for 24 hours. Yes, you obviously have the pandemic going on, a record number of deaths. I'm not saying this should come before that, but you could probably find, you know, two and a half, three minutes on CNN, MSNBC, maybe a story in the New York Times, Washington Post. I haven't seen anything about it. Former President Bill Clinton's top aide is saying on the record He lied about visiting this island and spending time on this island with one of the most vile predators, you know, of the last, of this century, Jeffrey Epstein. It's a major bombshell. Bill Clinton should be asked on the record, do you, you know, what do you have to say about Douglas Band saying you were there? Other journalists should take Douglas Band's on the record comment and be digging in to Douglas Band. Is there a way you could corroborate this other than you just saying, yeah, he went. That's a trip I didn't go on with him. Maybe Douglas Band could point to other officials that could corroborate that Bill Clinton was, that Bill Clinton did visit the island. Maybe, you know, I don't, again, it doesn't matter if there's no flight logs, you know, you know, you don't think Bill Clinton could have flown to the island under the radar without it being on paper? 
Are you kidding me? That's like Joe Biden say Joe Biden's team when asked, "Did you meet with this Burisma executive?" Well, we don't see it. We don't see any calendar appointments for it. Yeah, the mafia doesn't usually put it on their Microsoft Outlook when they're meeting. This is a major, major revelation. I know Jen would love to talk about it if she wasn't sick with COVID, because Jen has been on the Jeffrey Epstein story uh, way more than I have. But the bottom line is, this is about not only these young girls whose lives were forever, ever damaged by Jeffrey Epstein and his, and his accomplices and his enablers. This is also about the United Corporations of America, where people like Bill Clinton, again, no evidence that he actually did anything, but where people like Bill Clinton could lie and get away with it. No journalistic pushback on Bill Clinton. Bottom line is, were you there or were you not there? We got three people now, including your top person, your top aide, saying you, you were there, you did go there. And once we get to the bottom of were you there, why did you lie about it? Why didn't you just say, yeah, I was there. This was before anything publicly came out about Jeffrey Epstein's heinous activities. I never saw anything that raised a red flag to me when I was there. We smoked cigars and that was it. I saw some females on the island, but they looked well above age. I mean, he could say I was there, and then, if he wants to, lie about the rest. Again, you know, we have to be responsible as a journalist. It doesn't, if he was there, it doesn't mean he did anything wrong or illegal, but it's the lying. And I think it's pretty clear he's lying. And again, go ask Hillary Clinton about Bill Clinton's trustworthy rating and record. So shame on CNN, shame on MSNBC, New York Times, Washington Post, Daily Beast, who Clinton, uh, Chelsea Clinton happens to be on the board of the Daily Beast parent company, BuzzFeed. I mean, hey, egg on my face. I haven't seen any of them report on it. Maybe if they have, I haven't seen it. Uh, Associated Press, maybe? Reuters? I mean, is this guy just... Is is he like Teflon Don? Nothing sticks? Because I got news for you. If it was anybody else in politics, well, maybe not anybody else, but there would be a lot of other people. If their top person just came out saying, yeah, no, they visited Jeffrey Epstein's Island, they're lying, it would probably be all over the place. 